This is a Tech Briefs Media Group podcast. Welcome to another Who's Who at NASA podcast. Scientists at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland, are in the early stages of working out the best design for a sample-collecting comet harpoon. Today on the line, we have Don Wagle of NASA Goddard. He is the lead engineer on the sample-collecting project and will work with researchers to send a spacecraft to rendezvous with a comet, then fire a harpoon to acquire samples from specific locations. Don, thanks for being with us. First on, why sample comets? What can we what can we learn from comets? Well, comets are early remnants of the solar system's formation, and so we can learn about the early solar system formation and possible origins of life on Earth. They have uh, some of the building blocks that we believe could have um, started the primordial ooze of where we came from. Also. Comets, as you may know, and asteroids are potential threats for the Earth. So to understand them better may help us um, characterize them to find the best solution to avoid their impact. So what is the Comet Harpoon and how is it designed? Well, the Comet Harpoon is, much like it sounds, a uh, core sampling harpoon that is fired into a comet surface and designed to take subsurface samples, so to hopefully penetrate anywhere from a meter to several meters deep, depending on the density. And then there's an inner sample cartridge, which um, has some mechanisms that collect, basically capture the sample, and then are uh, removed from the comet, put into a spacecraft, and sent home for extensive study. Can you sort of walk me through how a mission with the comet Harpoon would work from from penetrating the surface to collecting and bringing back the data? Sure. I'll I'll start one step before that. The spacecraft will... uh, rendezvous with a comet and spend um, up to several months studying it. Um, You can learn a lot uh, from a little bit of distance with different tools, studying the um, surface properties and possibly getting some density information and looking at different features that you might want to sample from. There may be a a crevasse or a vent that's outgassing that you may want to shoot a harpoon into. And then once you pick your location, your spacecraft will approach um, getting as close as possible but depending on how uh, out of round the comet is, some of these are very oblong and uh, provide very little gravity. So if it's a strange-shaped object, you may not want to get too close so that as it rotates, it doesn't impact your spacecraft solar panels, which are huge at this point because you're so far away from Earth. So you pick your spot, fire your harpoon, and it penetrates to its distance until it stops. And then you engage your sample cartridge, which is inside the harpoon sheath. Um, then the sample capture mechanisms engage and basically shut somewhat of a kind of a garage door knife edge uh, foil. And then the, um, the contents of the harpoon are then pulled back out of the cartridge into the spacecraft, put into a return pod, which has been done uh, only several times. But we have some pretty good uh, models on these return capsules. This return capsule is sent back towards Earth, uh, comes back into our atmosphere, and lands uh, most likely in the Utah desert or some large unpopulated area, and we go and pick it up. And one of the one of the more challenging ways to do it is to keep the sample cold, which we're still working on how that would be possible. But in that case, you need to send your ice cream truck to pick it up so the samples never reach uh, temperatures that it would melt it. What were the previous ways of collecting samples from a comet? 
never actually been done, but some conceptual ways and ways that traditionally samples are collected on Earth and other bodies um, are using a scoop or a drill or a shovel. Problem is on comets and asteroids, there's so little gravity that any of these methods would require some other form of grappling to the surface. Because if you try to employ your drill on the surface, you'll push yourself back off. And the same with a shovel or a scoop. So what's conceptually done is firing some sort of grappler or basically a harpoon to grapple to the surface. And then you use your drill or your scoop or your shovel. So what Joseph Newth, the scientist on this project, has uh, proposed is that we get rid of the drill, scoop, or shovel and just use the harpoons themselves to uh, not only grapple but penetrate and collect the sample themselves. Because of what this comet harpoon needs to do, how has that created design challenges for you? Uh, one of the trickiest part of the design is to package the mechanisms that allow the sample cartridge, which collects the sample, um, into a very small cross-section. You can imagine that the, the, the thicker the walls of your harpoon are, the less um, deep it'll penetrate, the more energy it, it is required to penetrate to a, any surface. So the thinner the walls, the better, but the thinner you make and the, the smaller you make these mechanisms, the more um, likely they are to yield and or break. So you need to have them, the mechanisms robust enough, but also um, small enough to fit into the packaging required. What are some of the other challenges with the design itself? What has kind of been creating uh, the most headaches for you and your team? Um, right now, uh, originally we were going to be very close to the surface and, and firing a harpoon and retrieving a sample. Since then, we've, we've decided that it's too much of a risk, depending on the shape of the comet, as I mentioned before, to come in close with such enormous solar panels, which are, are somewhat required. So we decided to shoot from a little bit further away, up to maybe 10 meters max. And that is quite a challenge to shoot and maintain stability of any projectile. And then also as it contacts the surface, you know, ho hoping to keep it um, penetrating directly into the surface rather than tipping over. Um, and then the whole other huge challenge is retrieving it. So then you, depending on how the angle of entry is, pulling the uh, harpoon back out or the sample cartridge back out um, with a tether could be uh, quite a problem, especially there's no gravity, so it's hard to test in our uh, terrestrial laboratory. Right. This comet harpoon is still in the prototype and test phase, right? So Right, right now we've basically built a ballista, uh, which allows us to fire harpoons into different test materials. And, and the reason we chose a ballista instead of a cannon is because uh, safety reasons, basically. You get the same information. You get basically how much energy is required uh, to penetrate different uh, materials, and we can correlate the energy by taking the velocity of the harpoon and its mass, and you get kinetic energy. And that's the same thing we'll use to size the cannon for the eventual mission. Uh, what was the beginning of that question? What phase the comet harpoon was in, and also kind of getting an idea of what the team is working on now. Right. So, we've, so we have a test laboratory where we've taken uh, hundreds and hundreds of shots with different harpoon tip geometries, uh, into different materials at different velocities and energies and correlated that to its penetration. So we've decided, we've come up with a pretty good set of data that shows us what tip geometry works the best. Cross-section is somewhat understood that the thinner the better, but there's a, there's a certain minimum you can do with these mechanisms. We've also, um, along with a bunch of these dummy harpoons we've used, which are, do not contain a sample collecting, they just test tip geometry and cross-section and mass. We've come up with 
three smart harpoons, which actually have all the mechanisms required to not only collect the sample and capture it, but also you need to decouple the cartridge from the sheath when you want it. You also want to have it coupled to it when you want it. So basically when you fire the harpoon, you want the sheath and the sample cartridge coupled together. You want them to hang on to each other. Mm -hmm. And then you also want them to let go when you've collected a sample. So that's actually another mechanism that's pretty tricky to package. But we've successfully, in our third-generation prototype, packaged both those mechanisms into a functioning sample-collecting harpoon. And we've shown in, in several different density materials that it does indeed collect a sample um, by just engaging a simple tug on the tether, which is just one of a, a hundred ways we may eventually do it. But proving one way is, is half the battle. Sure. And when will we see these in action, do you think? Well, OSIRIS-REx is a mission that just got funded that's uh, going to go to a, an asteroid and get a surface sample. Um, the next step in, is, is clearly to get the subsurface sample, which is, is more pristine than the surface, as you might imagine, as the, as the asteroid or comet travels around the sun as it gets close. The outer layer you know, sees pretty hot temperatures and outgasses and changes quite a bit, but the inside of it could be fairly pristine and almost identical to the early solar system formation. So it's really important to get the subsurface sample so that this OSIRIS-REx is just funded now and will retrieve a sample in, I think it launches in 2016 and retrieves samples in 2023, I believe. And so that's the time frame for our, uh, you know, a mission that we're looking at to learn from. So we're even pushed off into the future beyond that. And what, what kinds of discoveries can be made in, a, in the subsurface as opposed to uh, just the surface? Well, as you might imagine, as the comet or asteroid gets close to the sun, anything that was volatile, uh, which could be building blocks, um, organics, anything like that could um, burn off, sublime right off the surface. And so anything you can capture below the surface may not have um, either sublimed or changed in some way. You know, the, the thermal energy of the sun can alter uh, components on the surface where that's not true on the subsurface. In your tests, what kinds of materials will the, the harpoon penetrate through? So far in our tests, we've, we've kept things somewhat simil, uh, simple just to uh, make sure the data is well-behaved. And so we've used um, pretty simple uh, construction sand. So it's got um, a, a sort of an aggregate of, of sand sizes, but it's generally what you'd find at the beach. Uh, we've also shot at pea gravel, which is another sort of construction material, but it's quite a bit larger and uh, more dense um, rocks, basically. And we've also shot at a, a sort of a dried corn organic material that's provided a nice low-density target um, with consistent um, particle size, particulate size. We've also shot at uh, rock salt, the same, the same uh, material you would put on uh, icy roads. And... We've been trying to move to mixtures of those, but the challenge of mixing those substances in a test is you, you shoot it once and you get one result, but the next time it's difficult to create the exact same layering. So if you use the same bucket of layered material, it's now mixed up a little bit. So it's, um, it's not quite as straightforward as it might seem to do layers. And we'd also really like to try ices, and the same kind of problem is that the ice melts as you're shooting it unless your laboratory is very cold, which is another trick to do on its own, um, but also just each test, you get, you may break the ice up and you're not necessarily shooting at the same target you were the test before, so that's sort of a challenge. 
Also, you mentioned this earlier, but are there any sort of other modifications to the harpoon based on the low gravity needs of the mission? Or how is the harpoon designed to accommodate the low gravity? Right, right now, that's a good question. Right now, the harpoon is, is a square cross-section overall. It's, um, it's basically two inches by two inches by about a foot long. And it, is, it turns out that to another challenge of the mechanism inside is when you try to capture any sample in a square cross-section, it's much easier than a circular cross-section. It's actually um, somewhat, I wouldn't say impossible, but it's much more challenging to have a closure mechanism that uh, will capture something in our current setup in a circular cross-section. So what we would do for the real mission, because it would fire out of a cannon, and would probably need to fire some distance. You'd, pro- you'd want a round projectile, as you might imagine, like a bullet. So we would have the sample cartridge still remain a square, but then just nest that into a circular cross-section sh- uh, harpoon sheath, which would, um, you know, provide both the, the, the penetrating tip and would take the imparted impact of the explosive charge. Are there any other applications for a tool like this, do you see? Uh, in terms of what we could use it for other, uh, 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 you know, what other uses it might have. Right. Yeah, we, we mentioned uh, in some earlier papers that this thing, this kind of thing could be used as a rapid retrieval system. So if you wanted, if you wanted to go into an area, uh, let's say on the moon, where you didn't have much time, you just wanted to hop into a crater, grab a sample and hop back out, you could imagine outfitting your system with a, a sample collecting harpoon where you hop in, fire it, retrieve your sample, and hop back out. Um, same idea, even even on Earth, let's say there's some, uh, well, a Fukushima-type scenario where you have some kind of robot go in, fire a sample, collect it, come back out. Um, really, in reality, though, we, we're focusing more on uh, sample collection on these comets and asteroids. So, and, but, you know, we've talked about Mars and maybe even uh, Titan. Uh, one of Saturn's moons. Now, the uh, the European Space Agency has uh, the Rosetta mission, which will use a harpoon to grapple a probe to the surface of a comet. Can you talk about the similarities and differences between uh, those yeah, missions? Absolutely. That's actually one of one of our uh, early inspirations, and what we looked to closely to see if you know how possible this really was. And they spent a lot of of time and effort, and did a really impressive job on their. Uh, harpoon grappling system. They're, the reel itself, you, you, using a tether, as I mentioned before, is very challenging, uh, especially in zero-G. They, they behave very strangely. And the possibility of getting tangled, especially when retrieving the um, sample, is, is a concern of ours. But Rosetta did a great job of designing a reel system that allows you to um, shoot into different densities and not knowing what the density is to begin with, you can fire in and the reel itself will has a clutch mechanism that slows the harpoon down on its own if the comet doesn't have enough density. Some of these, some of these bodies have densities as low as cotton candy. So you could imagine firing a pretty good, uh, pretty high energy shot in, and, and nothing slowing that harpoon down except for yanking the tether out of the spacecraft. So they have a really sophisticated tether design, which allow, which avoids that, controls that, and um, allows the retrieval of the harpoon. Also, they're They've done a lot of work on it's what they call it. I believe they call it a smart tether. Basically, there's a data cable running down a tether. So not only is this tether mechanically important, but actually carries the signal and information back from 
the harpoons. You'll get, you know, temperature data, accelerometer data as the harpoons penetrate. And when they send back some of that data, that will help us significantly in knowing more about the comet they land on and what to expect. What is most exciting to you about sampling a comet? I think by far the most inspiring possibility is finding, you know, the primordial ooze or, you know, the origin of life on Earth. I can't think of a more incredible thing to be a part of, um, you know, as far as a shot as it might be and as challenging as this uh, as this goal is. I think to, to even shed any light on that, let alone um, prove some of that origin, I think that, that alone is, is what inspires me the most. And what's a typical day for you? Uh, typical day. Unfortunately, there's there's a lot of variety in this job, which which I like a lot. Um, I'm working on several other projects at the same time, but but generally, there's one part of the day I spend uh, using um, Pro Engineer, which is a 3D CAD model program, mm-hmm. and literally just designing hardware. And I think one of the parts about that that I like the most is that you start with an idea sort of spinning around in your head, and you spend a little time getting that idea into the computer and you, you start to see this 3D model of what was in your head and now on the screen. And then you run a little analysis and, and find that, well, this, this part needs to look a little different. This needs to be thicker. This should be thinner. This, you know, should be sharper or whatever. And it, it starts to morph into the real part. And then you actually get 2D drawings. You hand somebody a piece of paper and or a file and then you eventually get an actual part that used to be spinning around in your head and you're holding that piece of hardware in your hand. And so that, that creative process, an actual creation process, I think is, is what I like the most. Well, Dom, we at NASA Tech Briefs want to uh, thank you for taking the time to talk with us. Thanks a lot. Thank you.